Welcome back to another episode of Mental Wellness in the Minority Community. I am your host, Bethel Committee. This week, we continue our journey under the umbrella of anxiety. We will be talking about PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. I believe that the numbers currently available are not reflective of our reality. With Abby, this week, we will continue exploring this dimension and try to provide as much resources as we can to help in this process. Let's go. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hi. How are you? Good. How was your week? Ah, it was uneventful. Awesome. Uh, so today, uh, you're back again for us to have one of our awesome conversations um, surrounding mental wellness. Um, the topic for this week is uh, PTSD, post-traumatic stress. Um, before I get into it, it's it's something that is, uh, I'll do a little bit of a ramble here, a little, you know, a little bit of a banter, but um, PTSD is something that is uh, very close to me, um, especially because um, I'm a veteran and, um, you know, dealing with post-traumatic stress or seeing people who have episodes of post-traumatic stress are extremely difficult situations and um, having the foreknowledge and the ability to handle those kind of situations uh, it's incredible it's incredibly helpful and I hope that if you don't pay attention to anything as uh, you pay attention to what PTSD is, how it manifests and how it relates and how debilitating it can be. All right. Abby, at this point, you don't need any introduction uh, unless you would want to do an introduction. Um, But please go ahead. Always. You know, I, I love introducing myself. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's about me. Why not? Absolutely. (laughs) Hi, all. So my, my name is Abby. I am a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner um, working in an outpatient or community outpatient um, clinic, base clinic. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for that. Uh, so, Abby, in your very professional opinion, what is PTSD? So um, PTSD, it can occur in people that have experienced or witnessed okay it's not just experiencing um you either experience or witness a traumatic event for example rape war violence um i actually do have a patient in treating and he has you know severe chronic ptsd not from you know rape but he did witness violence um as a young adult throughout his life and that has caused him severe ptsd um, or a serious accident, or have been threatened with death or sexual violence, or maybe even a serious injury. Okay, awesome. So before we, you know, that that was the, you know, what does PTSD stand for? Post traumatic stress disorder. Perfect. Um, I mean, I'm not trying to insult anybody's intelligence, but I feel like, you know. As, as we go through this, um, and like you clearly mentioned, you don't have to be a victim of it 
but being a bystander or just witness to some kind of violence might be a possible trigger, uh, which leads me into my next question. Um, how does PTS, uh, PTSD manifest itself? Um, so when we, um, when we as clinicians diagnose PTSD, we, um, we have the symptoms fall under four categories. Okay. And I'm going to explain which um, each category, you know, what signs and symptoms are associated with each um, category. So the first one is going to be intrusion. Um, that is, you have these intrusive thoughts, flashbacks, nightmares. Um, your flashbacks can feel so real that the people experiencing them can feel as though they are reliving and re-experiencing that traumatic event. Right. So can you imagine you're sitting, you know, at home or at work, um, just trying, just trying to be great. And then all of a sudden, boom, your mind is filled with those thoughts and, uh, about that event. And you really feel as though, you know, you're no longer sitting at work or home and you are transported back to that event, that traumatic event. That's, right. I, don't, I, would, I would start crying. I don't know. Right. So um, how are, is it possible? Do you have triggers? Uh, can, can I get there? No. Can, 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 oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I, I suppose I'm jumping ahead of myself here. <laughs> can you let me do my job? Yes, yes, ma'am. <laughs> and then um, the second category is avoidance. Now, this only makes sense. So that person will do anything to avoid any triggers any triggers whatsoever or anything that could remind them of that trauma. Um, for example, do they'll do anything to avoid even thinking about it or even talking about it. Um, I do have a lot of patients when I do do my psychiatric evals. Um, I don't really go in depth when it comes to the trauma history. I just need to know, you know, generally what happened. And the reason why I do not go in depth as um, a clinician is because I don't want to re-traumatize them. I don't want them you know, sitting and talking about it. And I'm not a therapist, right? Right. So I'd rather, you know, have therapy because they know exactly, you know, how to, I don't want to say deal with it, but how to navigate that patient or that client better. Right. Because I, I, patients tell me, you know, I'll start, you know, the, the eval. I'm like, hey, okay, I'm going, at first I'm like, hey, I'm going to walk you through this, Okay. Okay. Um, have you experienced any trauma or abuse as a child? Right. And I was like, and I'll tell them, you know, before you tell me, the only thing I need to know is was it sexual, emotional, physical? That is it. And, you know, they'll tell me, oh, it's physical or it's emotional or it's physical or, you know, from the military. And I'll tell them, we do not need to talk about it. And they'll tell them, like, some, most of them will tell them, like, I don't want to talk about it. Right. And I absolutely respect that. So they will do anything, you know, they will not even want to talk about it just because it's going to be triggered to them. Right. And then the third um, category is you have alterations in your mood and your cognition. So here you have negative thoughts and feelings. You really do have the inability to remember the event. Um, you have feelings of guilt. 
Right. And I think, and I know, I think our combat vets can attest to this, where, you know, you're out there, you, you experience, you know, this trauma from war, and you kind of feel like, oh, I wish, you know, I could have been in that spot or, you know, place, you know, to save my fellow soldier, um, you know, us as women, I would imagine, you know, if you're raped and you have to see, I, you know, you kind of feel guilty, you know, you wish you were, you know, you wish you kind of like you didn't put yourself and you kind of start blaming yourself. You wish you didn't put you, yourself in this position, right? you know, where you experience a trauma. Um, you have the, you know, the clients or patients or anybody, you know, you start having a decreased interest in um, at previously pre- pleasurable activities, right? Um, then you know, obviously, you start feeling, and you know, I do talk about this with my patients. Some, because some, some of the dough and some was these, and I'll say you have, you start feeling detached or numb, right? You have zero feelings, like that emotion, those feelings are gone, right? Are gone, and then the fourth part, uh, the fourth category is we have alterations in arousal and reactivity now here you start being irritable angry you have outbursts um you start engaging high-risk behaviors or self-destructive behaviors drinking um just general substance use um you know and i think at this point is where it's kind of harder or hard right um on family members and loved ones because they don't understand, you know, we're just sitting here chatting and all of a sudden you're mad, you know, you're yelling, you're throwing things. Right. Um, you get, they get very hypervigilant. We call it hyper, uh, hyper arousal. And when I do, you know, ask my patients, this, sometimes they don't understand. So I have, you know, I do kind of need to explain a little bit. And that hypervigilance is you are just hyper alert of your surroundings. You're always on edge. Right? right you're kind of like suspicious of, of what's around you because you don't you're kind of like looking out for those triggers it might be something as simple as you know a loud noise or some something very simple that could trigger something so they're always aware you know they're always alert just to make sure you know none of that you know happens around them um they can become easily startled they have trouble sleeping or concentrating right so those are the um that's how PTSD would manifest. Wow. That's uh that's a lot. So just to do a quick recap before I move forward, essentially, um so you, you you're experiencing all of these things. You're hyper uh you know hyper alert of your your, your surroundings, you know, you're, you're you're moody, you know, there's no particular reasons and you're experiencing guilt, you know, um you are in denial avoidance like you like you said and um you know those are just some of the few things that you know um will alert you or the person around you um to like hey this person might be going through an episode of ptsd now my my follow-up question is how big of a trauma does a trauma need to be to trigger ptsd is there really a quantifiable measure because there, sorry, there's not there. There's not, you know, what because I because okay, think about it what I what I could experience right. and what could traumatize me is very different 
than you know what you could experience and what you know what could traumatize right. you. Right? I could I could be in a certain situation or witness something or, you know, got violence. Cool. You know, it's it's another day in the neighborhood. You know, I I have great coping skills. I can deal with this. I can live my life. You know, I'll try not to be around that area no more. Right. But you know, but you if you're living it, you're experiencing every day, it that could significantly traumatize you. You know? Right. right. Is there a breaking point as in you know hey i can see you know i can witness abuse for example i'll just take a very mundane example here coming from an abusive say you have a kid or somebody whose background is rooted into an abusive relationship right mm-hmm. so where he sees his his mom or dad being engaged in abusive alteration altercation sorry be it verbal physical or emotional mm-hmm. and at some point, he breaks. When is enough enough? Does it take one event, two event? Like, is there any way to know that, hey, this is the event that broke this person or this is the, the event that led him to this specific um, PTSD episode, if you will? And so it, it won't really be, you know, like an X number of events. Right. Um, it could be one, it could be two. A single event can traumatize you, correct? Right, right, absolutely. So, so everyone is different. Everyone is different. That's why you know you we. That's why you know I push therapy so we could explore. You know right. what exactly happened. You know right, right. where was that br- breaking point? You know, um, how many? What's a combination of events or you know what happened? Right. That caused you know your PTSD. Right. Was it that one instance, or was it you know something that you've witnessed, you know, or experienced throughout your life, throughout your childhood or adulthood? Right. And it's now hitting you all at once. Okay, that makes sense. Totally. Um, so, how is it different from the other forms of anxiety we've talked about? So, um, the major major differences, right, is um, between PTSD and other forms of anxiety that we have talked about is you're going to have vivid flashbacks, right. dreams, changes in behaviors, um, that numb feeling, avoidance. And remember, you know, if we go back to our previous discussions, you don't have any of these symptoms with other forms of anxiety. Right. Okay. 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 That's very helpful. So, it's not, I mean, and that leads me to my next question. Um, I suppose it's not, is there a predisposition for it? Will I be predisposed to experience PTSD as opposed to somebody else? Yes. And let okay. me tell you why. Okay. Um, only because you're a vet. Y'all amazing. Thank y'all for your service. I see who. <laughs> but, um, so us as minorities, right? Right. Guess what? The lifetime prevalence was highest amongst blacks at eight point seven percent. Um, Hispanics and whites at seven and seven point four percent respectively. Right. And then Asians were the lowest at four percent. And then also, did you know that um there's research evidence stating that a predis 
a predisposition right. or susceptibility for developing PTSD is hereditary in nature. About 30% of PTSD, PTSD cases are explained by genetics alone. Okay. So you have genetics and then you have us, you know, being well melanated humans. Okay, so, I mean, what, what, what does that mean for us? So, say, for example, I just want to, you know, go back and, and put everything in context, right? Say, for example, um, Bethel here is of, uh, you know, of a minority descent, more specifically is of uh, African-American descent. And, you know, and John is of, you know, Caucasian descent. And you have uh, Miguel, who is of, you know, uh, Hispanic descent, and you have Wayne, who is of uh, you know Asian descent. Mm-hmm. So what I'm getting is, if we all four of us experience the same event because of the genetic nature of it, there is a higher propensity for me to, you know, um, suffer from PTSD from that particular event because of my genetic predisposition. Is that, am I right to assume that, or? So in general, you know, 30% of of PTSD cases are genetic, right? Right, right. Explained by genetics alone. Correct. Now, the prevalence, how often often it occurs, is highest amongst, you know, Black people first. Right. Um, It might be just, it might be, you know, in relation to um, the experiences. Right. Um, that black people are, you know, exposed to. Right. Um, and they, you know, followed by Hispanics, whites, and then Asians. So it might just, it also might be, you know, an environmental thing. Correct. You want to think about it, right? Right. So I think that's where that stems from. And then, you know, like, like I said, 30% of these cases are genetics. Awesome. Well, so I just feel like there's... Uh... There's a lot here, right? There's just a lot of uh, nuances because there's so many layers of complexity when it comes to PTSD and um, in the minority community between men and women. um, Is there any data indicating the predisposition as to who might be... uh, predisposed to 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 this kind of um to this type of anxiety if you will so the only thing i know is um it's just women right are more likely to develop ptsd than than men are okay um i had the numbers somewhere but i forgot what the numbers are but definitely you know us you know females are more likely you know to to develop ptsd which is which which is sad Right. So what is the way forward here? Is there a way for us to to chart a path forward? What can we do to, you know, you know, um, it, and again, I think that similar to what we talked about last week, as far as reporting, I don't think that the numbers currently available are reflective of the true state of things like PTSD within the minority community, right? Because Mm -hmm. we do not seek the help that we need or we do not actively engage and intentionally pursue, 
you know, the, the, the origins of this kinds of things, right? So um, what is the way forward or in your opinion, can we chart a better way forward as far as dealing with PTSD within the minority community? I don't see why not. Like, even think about, you know, back home in Cameroon, you know, us as women, as this, you know, wise, you know, old school mentality is, you're going to write it out with your husband, right? Right. No matter what, you know, if he can go out there, you know, he can cheat, he can bring a whole ton of, like, random kids home, um, he can beat you every single day, and our women just up and leave. Right. Right. <laughs> your mama just she's just she's just gonna up and leave. So I think, you know, that also contributes, you know, as in the numbers aren't reflective of twenty twenty one. Correct. They're not because so many people out there are experiencing, you know, PTSD and trauma and you know with the first and foremost, they think they're going crazy. Right. No one wants to be labeled crazy. Right. They're scared to talk about it. Right. Especially us in the minority community. So I thought I will see the first thing that we always need to do is we need to be able to educate and create a safe space for people to come and talk about these issues. Right, right. Even if you don't know what's going on with you, right. you might not be able to put a name um, to what you're experiencing, talk about it with somebody. Someone's going to have an answer for you. Right. I bet you. Um, so we need to be able to create a safe space. We need to be open about it. Um, we need to validate people, people's experiences. Um, so far as you know, resources that we can offer. Right. Again, here I am with my with my drugs, with my medications. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you medication. Um, but the thing that usually helps, because the, mm, so with meds, we can only medicate some of the symptoms you're experiencing. Correct. That is it. And that's what I strongly encourage. The only thing that's going to help you get to um, help you with PTSD is therapy. Right. You need to get, you know, down to the root of what happened of that traumatic event so you can, you know, work your way through it. Um, you, need to, you need to accept that, you know, it happened, but let it not control your life, you know, moving forward. Right. You, know, you, you can't let and you know, allow PTSD to define you. It's easier, you know, for me to say because I've not experienced, I had, yes, I have experienced trauma, but it can't be termed PTSD. Right. But, you know, if we're, I, Feel, you know, if we're open and, you know, if we sit down with a therapist and talk about it, right. um, some forms of therapy are CBT, CBT which is cognitive behavioral thing, um, ther- therapy, which, like I said, it changes, you know, the way you think. Right. Um, the other one, which is used, is EMDR. That is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Right. Now, what happens here is, your therapist is going to have you relive, relive that traumatic event right. or triggering experience briefly right. or in brief doses right. while they basically direct your eye movements. 
um, it's kind of cool and it's something that I want to look into more. And they kind of believe that um, you become less upset, right? Or just, or you know, when your attention is diverted. So that's what they kind of do with your eye movements there. Then you have individual therapy and group therapy. Um, there are so many websites and organizations out there um, set up right. to aid, you know, with with PTSD. The first one I'm going to give you is PTSD.va. Uh, sorry, PTSDva.gov. Right. Um, it has amazing, amazing information, not just for um, our vets out there. Um, then there's this other website called PTSDalliance.org. Okay. Now it it would list you know several several resources to find treatment in your area. Right. And you know if um, you know what else to do, talk to your PCP, your private care provider, your OBGYN, like social workers, mental health counselors. Um, you could you know walk into a community mental health clinic if you need to, right. and, you know find someone to talk to. The biggest thing also is support groups anywhere, anywhere, you know, um, there's definitely going to be a resource for PTSD. Right. And, you know, for our vets out there, there's actually um, a vet crisis line right. um, at 1-800-273-8255. Yes. And um, it's for assistance in locating a mental health facility uh, near you. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Um, I, I just want to clarify or add to what you're saying. Is it possible to not experience all the symptoms at once and still, I guess, let me rephrase my question. And then I promise I'll let you go because we ran a little long today. Um, are all the cases of PTSD severe? Because are you likely to experience all the symptoms at once when you're going through an episode of PTSD? Are they mild cases of PTSD? Are they, you know, low cases? Are they intense cases? Like, do we have some differentiation within that sphere? So for us, you have PTSD and then you have um, complex or chronic PTSD. Okay. Um. So with you know, just real quick with complex or chronic PTSD, that's you experience all those PTSD symptoms, right. and then with some additional, with some additional symptoms, right? right? So I can, so I'm not gonna say okay, it's like mild, like moderate. It's PTSD. It's 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 there. Right. You know, we can't differentiate it as oh, okay. You have like a tad, like you know, sprinkle. <laughs> sprinkle of PTSD. That's that's good. That's a good one. <laughs> right. So, but, you know, in order, you know, to be diagnosed with PTSD, you have to, you know, hit all these four, um, these four manifestations or categories, right. so intrusion, avoidance, alterations in mood, alterations in arousal, and reactivity. Okay. Yeah. There you have it, guys. Abby, really, thank you very much um, for taking the time, first of all, to, you know, um, just bring all this wealth of knowledge together. Um, I'm just going to go back to the resources available, PTSD, uh, PTSD, sorry, the va.gov, ptsdalliance.com, and .org. .org. Um, And you also have the Veterans Crisis Line out there. Um, So when you do listen to this episode, I just urge you to share this knowledge and engage 
in conversations, you know, um, in a safe space, because I, I truly believe that uh, we have a unique opportunity to really impact people's lives. So please share, um, please continue engaging in this kind of conversations as we uh, move forward. Abby, thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us. Um, and we'll talk to you some other time. Awesome. Bye. Bye. Thank you.